0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. The hidden power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And, you know, I, I know sometimes, sometimes we, we, we preach all these messages that kind of tickle our ears or they, they, they make us feel good or they tell us how to be a success. But, the blood of Jesus is what it's all about. You know, I, 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 there's a certain television show. I don't get to watch it very often. But when I f- travel or I fly or if I uh, if I get a chance, uh, I, I kind of like this TV show, CSI, all those things, you know. You, you don't, I know you watch TV, some of you. But CSI, all, all these things that, you know, investigative uh, crime investigation, you know. I I love all that. You know how they piece the story together and you know the the one little hair. Yeah. You know, I I know that's not real, but we found I mean in a whole house, that, oh, look, the guy finds one hair on the carpet, I think and, and it turns the case. Oh. And inevitably, you know, this 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 the plot thickens and it unwinds and the guy who looks like he's going to prison, the guy who's guilty ends up in front of the prosecutor. And the prosecutor is putting a case against him. Well, you don't know if he's guilty or innocent, but the crime scene investigators are digging it out. Somewhere the judge asks the question, what's your plea? And it's always not Guilty. Those shows are in America where you're not guilty until you're proven to be. In Africa, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's just how it appears to me. You know, you're just guilty. You know, your name gets put in the newspaper and you're guilty, and then you have to go to court and prove that that wasn't the truth. Anyway. I digress. Are you guilty? Or are you not guilty? What's your plea? And I think that you and I need to begin to ask ourselves the same questions. Because we have an adversary... The devil, the accuser of the brethren, who's always accusing us. The Bible says night and day. And we need to know how to answer him. Like an aggressive prosecuting attorney, Satan is relentless in his accusations. He never lets up. And unless we know where our defense lies, we have no hope in defeating him. We cannot stand on our good deeds, our good intentions. You can't stand on the fact that I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible, I give tithes and offerings. No amount of goodness is sufficient to overcome our own sinfulness. Isaiah says it this way. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do. And all that we do fades away as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You see, our defense, our plea, our clemency lies on one thing and one thing alone as believers, the blood of Jesus. His blood and his blood alone can take away our sins. You know, There's some great songs that were written in the old church, and we don't sing them anymore. We don't sing these songs anymore because what we talk about is we sing songs, Lord bless me, Lord make me feel good, Lord I love you so much, Lord I'm so good, look at me how much I love you. But you know, there's something about some of these songs that I I think we need to sing them again. So I'm going to ask you to just sing a song with me or two. Would you stand and, 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 and Pastor Bonnie, would you help me? I hope we have the words for this. What can wash? by the blood of Jesus. sing all those kind of songs and even today I don't know there's a quality about that message that brings an anointing it's not about how good I am it's not about how nice I sing it's not about anything I can do or anything God can do for me he did it all in the blood of his son Jesus Christ amen so turn to your neighbor and just say hey listen you know what today I'm taking notes because I want to hear and learn about the hidden power the hidden power of the blood of Jesus amen go ahead and take your seats God bless you thank you choir thank you pastor Barney so it's true only the blood can take away our sins and it is his blood alone that can answer the charges against you and I of our enemy. Revelations chapter 12 and verse 11 says it this way. We overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. By the, everybody say, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, you know, when you and I learn to plead the blood of Jesus, now, that may sound like an unfamiliar phrase for some of you, but when we learn how to plead the blood of Jesus, we will be able to silence all of Satan's accusations against us and we'll be able to build a hedge of protection around ourselves, our families, our churches, and every circumstance that we face. We've been teaching and studying about the courts of heaven. And, and sometimes I, I didn't see that picture. In fact, when I thought of the courts of heaven, and it's an accurate picture, I saw God on a throne, and the courts were like a royal throne room. And then I realized that the royal throne room is just a really a picture of the court system, and God sits on the throne to bring judgment. Back in the Middle Ages. Kings would sit on their throne and people would present themselves before the king and he would pass judgment on issues. City fathers would sit at the gates and people would come and the, and, and the elders of the city would sit at the gates and they would pronounce judgment on issues that pertain to business, that pertain to law. And and so the court system has been around long a long time. I just never fully understood it in the light of What we know today is the court system. That there is an advocate. Jesus is the advocate. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. God the Father is seated on the throne, the judge, the just judge. So picture that. Picture God Almighty, the creator and the just judge of the universe. Picture yourself. Standing before an adversary, an adversarial prosecutor, Satan. And Jesus, your advocate at your side. Your adversary is accusing you of your sins, your faults, your failures. The more the devil accuses you, the worse you feel. He brings up everything. The times you lied. Tap your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. Tap your other neighbor and say, actually, he's talking about me. The times you lied, the times you cheated, the times you stole, or the time you used harsh or hateful words towards your spouse or your children or one of your employees. He brings up all the times you let God down. He calls you worthless, no good, unworthy. Unworthy. He has things he labels with you. And he demands the harshest sentence against you. As these charges mount, you feel a desperate need to speak out, to justify yourself, to speak on your own defense. But your advocate looks at you, squeezes you on the arm as, as if to say, don't say anything. Don't utter a word be patient, hold your peace. Finally, the judge turns his eyes to you, the righteous judge of the universe, and he asks you, how do you plea? And your advocate replies for you, saying, my client pleads the blood of Jesus. The judge wraps the gavel on the bench and declares, so be it, not guilty, not guilty. You know, yeah, thank you, Jesus. It's that simple. Let me tell you something. It's that simple. The blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus can silence the enemy's accusations against us. No matter how long your rap sheet, no, long, no, no matter how serious the claims or the offenses, the blood of Jesus can wipe your slate clean. There's an old saying, someone once said, that he who serves as his own counsel has a fool for a client. I want you to know this, whoever faces off with the devil or or goes before God, the righteous judge, should never try to defend themselves. Why? Because you have no defense. You are guilty before law as charged. You see, if we go against the devil with our own strength or our own wisdom, we'll lose every single time. And here's why. The devil has 6,000 Years of experience. He's the ruler of this world. He twists everything. And who are you? You're so wet behind the ears. You're so green. You have no idea. He'll twist you. He'll turn you. And he'll defeat you before you get the first words out of your mouth. We stand before God as sinners. We have nothing to offer in our defense that is good enough for our acquittal. We cannot plead innocence. That would be a lie. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. How much is all? Tap your neighbor and say, are you part of All. You see, we can't claim our own goodness. We can't claim our own merit as a defense. Oh yeah, but I'm really a good person. Just look at all my good deeds. I'm good to my family. I help widows. I help orphans. Mm, I help at the school. I tithe at the church. Oh, I give generously to office, to, to in all these offerings and charities. I'm a very charitable person. I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't hang out with those that do. I've never kicked a dog, and I don't cheat on my taxes. Uh, uh, I, I don't cheat on my taxes. Now, all those things are commendable, and they might even be true. But if we try that line of reasoning with God, He will declare us guilty for sure. You see, good deeds and right living are not the basis for our righteousness, nor our innocence before God. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, I was good enough to be here. There's only one thing that speaks in heaven. You see, it's time for us to listen to our advocate. He knows Much more about our situation than you and I do. He is our counsel. And his counsel is, don't try to defend yourself. Plead the blood of Jesus. Plead my blood. My blood will speak for you. My blood will say things for you. My blood will say mercy, forgiveness. My blood will say this one is innocent. Not on the basis of your righteousness, but on the basis of what Jesus paid for. You see, the devil has a counterfeit for everything. But he can't counterfeit the blood of Jesus. He has no answer for the blood. There's no slander, there's no lie, there's no accusation. There is no condemnation, no guilt, no shame that can stand against the blood of Jesus Christ. In every instance, the Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of Jesus of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. So it's important as believers to commit ourselves to Jesus, to commit ourselves to him fully and to what he purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. We need to place our faith in what he has done rather than in trusting in ourselves. You remember the seven sons of Sceva? They trusted in themselves and they went and they tried to exercise a demon from a person In the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches. That demon, or those demons, jumped out, beat up the sons of Sceva, tore their clothes off of them, and they ran away naked. Because they didn't go in the knowledge of who God was, of who Jesus was. They went in their own ability. So is it when you and I try to be good enough or do it in our own ability. Secondhand knowledge of the Lord isn't enough. God doesn't have grandchildren. <laughs> Some of you sit here and you say, Well, my mom and dad go to church, so I must be okay. No, no. My mom and dad were Christians, so I am a Christian. No, no. In fact, if you're the second generation, you're in the greatest peril because the first generation had a relationship with God, the second generation often says, my mom and dad had a relationship with God. I'm so glad they did. Because I see that it blessed them and I want to be blessed too. So I'll do the same things they did, but they don't have the same relationship. And by the time they try to raise their children, because they don't have a relationship, their children look at them and say, we don't see the reality of this. And that third generation... Gives up on God. Being washed by the blood of Jesus is a personal experience. Knowing Him, knowing Him personally is important. See, by faith, we have to know what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We have to know what He purchased for us by His death, by His burial. And by his resurrection. How well do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can you tell people about the healing power of Jesus? Are you able to tell someone else how Jesus came to save them from their sin? And how he died on the cross. And how he was buried. And three days later he rose from the grave. You see, that and that alone is the basis for salvation. Today, people are talking about all kinds of things to get saved. Hey, come to church and get blessed. Come to church and get healed. No. Those are byproducts of salvation. Now, you may get healed and you may get blessed, but what good is it to be blessed or healed to go to hell? We need to get back to the gospel of Jesus, the Christ. The blood of Jesus is the weapon that you and I use against the accusations of our enemy. Pleading the blood is the tactic. It's the method that we use to wield the weapon of the blood. God told the Israelites how to protect themselves. He says, there's a judgment coming to the land. He says, I want you to do something. He says, I want you to take the blood of a lamb and I want you to dip hyssop, which is a plant. If you'll come to Israel with us, we'll show you hyssop. In fact, we grind it up and we even eat it. And they take the hyssop plant, and he says, I want you to take the blood of the lamb, not the lamb, a lamb, and put it on the lintel and the doorpost of your house. The lintel and the doorpost of your house. It was a picture, all right. It was a picture of, a la- of the lamb that was about to be slain for the sins of all mankind. In the natural realm, it seemed like an unlikely protection. (laughs) These foolish, foolish Israelites putting blood on their doorposts and eating lamb and running into their house and gathering their families on the night of the Passover. But in the spiritual realm, things operate in different ways. Ways on different principles, you have to understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There's something in the spiritual realm that's going on that we need to understand. Once the Israelites were under the blood, the death angel or the destroying angel could not touch them. The Egyptians had no such protection that night. Millions of Egyptians, millions of their cattle, millions of their children, millions of the firstborn of everything in that nation died. Like those ancient Egyptians, we have a divine appointment before the judgment seat of God. And as with the Israelites, there is protection available for us. Someone once said, the safest place to be in the midst of a raging forest fire is where the fire has already burned. Let me tell you something. The safest, to be, the safest place to be at the judgment is at the foot of the cross where judgment has already been passed. Whenever we place ourselves under the blood of Jesus... At the cross, Satan's accusation, all of his accusations, lose their force, lose their power. The sentence of condemnation is lifted off of our lives. Our Egypt of sin, our Egypt of bondage lies behind us, and our promised land of grace, our promised land of health and peace and prosperity and redemption lies ahead of us. You see, we have to learn to plead the blood of Jesus so that we can cover and protect our families and our friends and our neighbors and our church family, our businesses, our spiritual leaders, our civic leaders, everyone, If we're going to start throwing grenades at each other, don't you think we might need the blood of Jesus to protect us? You see, the blood of Jesus, however, needs to be applied. The lamb's blood afforded the Israelites no protection until they applied it to their doorposts. In the same manner, you and I must apply the blood of Jesus to our lives, the doorposts of our lives, what are the doorposts of our lives? Well, it's our families. It's our friends. You know, when we, when, we, uh, when we pray or when we're working or when we're interceding or when we're carrying out our roles at the church or in our homes or when we're loving each other, those are the times that we should be pleading the blood. It shouldn't be a second after that. It shouldn't be something. It should just be, oh, God, I thank you that I walk in salvation. I walk it under the blood. You go into your office and you just plead the blood over your office. Plead the blood over the safety, for the safety of your employees, your family, your wife, your children. You see, for the blood to be effective, it must be applied. And it must be combined with faith. We must believe. Some people don't even believe in this anymore. This is, this is, oh, no, church is a place I come to. What, why do we get here? Why are we coming? Oh, because I like the music. I like the atmosphere. Oh, they got comfortable seats in that church. Yeah, I like that church, yeah. Ah, because they only, they're only an hour and a half long. Two hours and we're out. I like these other churches. Oh, my gosh, they just go forever. Those are all wrong reasons to be in Church. We have to believe. We have to believe. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. You see, our testimony is more than just the spoken words, things you say. We have people get up and they have their little testimony. Yes, I remember in 1947, I gave my life to Jesus. Well, that's great, but what has done? What has Jesus done for you yesterday, today? Our testimony is living; it's not something that is dead. Your old dead testimony of how you got born again is dead. What's Jesus doing today? What's He going to do for you tomorrow? We need to we need to live in the now. We need to live and believe today. Amen. Our. Testimony is more than spoken words. It's, it's evidenced. It's witnessed. It is the witness of our daily lives. It's how we live. The blood of Jesus is powerful. And we overcome by living according to what we say we believe. And say and believe. So belief plus action is what protects us and gives us the victory. Psalm 105 says this, verse 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold... And there was none feeble amongst his tribes. This, refer, this verse is referring to the Exodus. It's re, when the children of Israel were taken out of captivity, taken out of Egypt. They left with silver and gold. They had the spoils of the Egyptians. They went out without any sickness or disease or infirmities of any kind. Why? Because God healed them all. This is a picture of the salvation that was to come through Jesus Christ. This is what took place when they partook of a natural lamb. They came under a blood covenant of the the blood of a lamb. How much better promises do you and I have coming under the covenant of the blood of the lamb? The lamb of God. We have to learn to use the blood. We have to learn what has been purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ through the cross of Calvary. Calvary. We have to obtain everything he purchased. It's up to us to lay hold of the promises of God through the blood of Jesus. We have to use it against the combined might. In fact, there is no power of the enemy, no assault that he can resist you with that can come against the combined might of the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. Nothing can stop you. Healing, prosperity, guidance, forgiveness all come under the blood of Jesus. Now we see this throughout the Bible. We see this throughout the Old Testament. And I want to give you one Old Testament case today that you can go back and see how this blood works. Amen? The children of Israel are taken out through the Exodus. They're taken out of captivity by coming under the blood covenant of a lamb, which was a picture of the lamb. I showed you the lintel, the doorposts. It was a picture of the cross. It was a picture of the lamb of God that would come, but it was a lamb that was a picture of the, and, and, and was their Passover. So, there's another story in the Bible that follows right on the heels of that. It's just 40 years later, but it's the same blood covenant. Even in the midst of judgment, God always extends opportunity for deliverance to anyone who will repent and believe. Anybody can repent and believe. And here's an example in the Bible it's the story of a woman a woman named Rahab. And so significant is her story that it's mentioned in the New Testament in the hall of faith, the passage of scripture where all the faithful men and women are mentioned. And in Hebrews 11, verse 31, the Bible says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. See, Rahab wasn't born in the community of Israel. She wasn't a descendant of the bloodline of Abraham. She was a prostitute. She was a harlot from the city of Jericho. Now, the city of Jericho was such a wicked city. Their lifestyles were so wicked and their life... They they become so pagan that God told the Israelites that he needed to have them utterly destroy every person and every animal. He says destroy everything in that city. Utterly destroy it. Why? I know that to you and I, sometimes you read the Old Testament and you think, Hey, God's not fair. How can God kill these good people? How could God kill people? No, God knew something that you and I don't know. God knew that these people had violated themselves and each other so much that they were beyond repentance. They'd come into a place called reprobation, a reprobate mind. There was no appeal to them anymore. No appeal to them any longer. In some cases, we even know this. That these people may have cohabited with animals and even genetically changed themselves to where they were no longer human. Uh, I think you need to study it, be a little bit wary of the transhuman agenda. If you're no longer human, do you qualify to be saved by the blood of Jesus? Because Jesus didn't die for anybody but human beings, the human race. And that's why utter destruction and utter judgment falls on civilizations, on peoples. That's why God had to destroy the whole planet under Noah. There were none righteous left except Noah and his family. What have they been doing? But the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the return of Jesus Christ. Are we fast approaching those days? I wonder. I wonder. But I think you need to, ding-a-ling-a-ling, do your own research. You see, judgment by total destruction was the only answer for Jericho. And yet, even in the midst of this impending disaster, a way of escape was made available, and Rahab took advantage of it. Wow. So, two spies found lodging at Rahab's house. (laughs) When word got out that Rahab had these spies at her house, what did she do? Well, the Bible says that she ran upstairs and put them under the flax on the roof of her house and then lied. She says, oh, no, no, they, they left just before you got here. I saw them go out that gate. And so the army and everybody went out for, and searched for a few days. And then when they came back, she let them out of the window of their house. They went and hid and they escaped. But in helping them escape, Rahab said, if I help you, I'm going to ask you for protection. And in Joshua 2 and 9, she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen amongst us or upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Joshua 2 11 says, As soon as we had heard of these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is the God in heaven above and earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness into my Father's house. And give me a true token. Everybody say, give me a true token. And that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters and all they have, and deliver our lives from death. Kind of reminds me of a New Testament verse. Cornelius, Peter says, you and your whole household will be saved. What a promise. I believe for those of us under the blood, we can believe for our whole household to be saved. Amen? But here, let me give you the picture. The Israelites are under a blood covenant. They have shed the blood of an animal God has Seen that blood, it satisfied justice, it satisfied his judgment, he has judged the Egyptians, he's judged the firstborn, and now he's about to judge a city for their sinfulness, the blood of a lamb. And now Rahab is seeking asylum and in effect is pleading to be brought under the same blood covenant as the Israelites, Everything in the Bible is about blood. Everything's about whose blood are you under? Blood covenant. If you haven't figured that out, go back and study blood covenants. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 14 says this. And verse 14, 17, and 19. The men answered her, our life for your life, if you utter not our business. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land. That we will deal kindly and truly with you. And the men said to her, we will be blameless of our oath which you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And you shall bring your father, your mother, and all of your brethren and all your father's household home unto you. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of the house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall stay with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. Man, I love this picture. So here's the picture Rahab has cut a deal, and they're just about to be let down on a scarlet rope. Why scarlet? Why would the Bible talk about a scarlet rope? Take this scarlet rope and put it in the window of your house so we know which house is under the blood covenant. Which house is under the blood covenant? we can protect you. These are pictures I know, but let me tell you, they're telling a story for you and I. Is your household under the blood? Are you and your household part of the covenant of blood that Jesus paid for you? Rahab asked for a sign. She asked for a token that her family would be protected. And The spies told her the scarlet cord in the window of your house that overlooked the city wall. It was the same window that they were using for escape. It was the same scarlet cord that they were being let down on. This scarlet cord represents Rahab's faith in God's provision of blood under the old covenant. She made sure that the symbol of blood was tied securely because her life and the life of her entire family depended on it. It was her scarlet cord of salvation. God has made a scarlet cord of salvation for you. By the time the Israelites invaded Jericho, Rahab had gathered all of her family members under her roof. And all the re- although the rest of the city and its inhabitants were destroyed, Rahab and her family were found protected and saved under the blood look at Joshua 6 verse 23 and 25 and the young men that were spies went in and brought out rahab and her father her mother and her brethren and all that she had and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of israel and joshua saved rahab the harlot alive at her father's household and all that she had And she dwelled in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Here's an amazing thing. And I love, I love God. Rahab not only spared her family and all of her possessions and all of their possessions. But she eventually became part of the ancestral line of Jesus Christ. Jesus was of the line of King David, and Rahab was David's great, great grandmother. <laughs> Does God not have a plan? Amen. That he not only saves you, but he grafts you in, and he showed us the picture that no matter where you came from, no matter what you did, the blood is sufficient to save you from your sins, to save you from your situation. You see, the Lord can redeem any situation. And because of the blood, the blood covenant, here's someone who was under total judgment, a judgment of total destruction that was spared and became a part of the lineage that brought the Lamb of God, The Savior of the world to mankind. Hmm. We need to to plead the blood of Jesus for everybody that's important to us. We need to begin to plead the blood of Jesus for our family, for our friends, for our church members, for our politicians, for our nation. We should do this regularly, and I think we should do it aggressively. 1 Peter 1 18 and 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot, without wrinkle, and without blemish. I'm always amazed. Our politicians are running after gold and silver and the tradition of their fathers when the answer to our problems are the wisdom of God. The answer to our problem is the shed precious blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. God himself wants to redeem the land. God himself wants to take us out of bondage. God himself wants to be our God. But no, we're still seeking the conversations received by the tradition of our fathers and the gold and the silver that perishes. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Oh, my God. Our redemption is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only should we be pleading the blood, but we should be willing and happy to proclaim The Lord's redemption, wherever we go. If you're going to be a politician, proclaim your belief in Jesus Christ. For goodness sake, we declare ourselves to be a nation of Christians. And you walk around all mealy-mouthed when somebody asks you, what do you stand, where do you stand on an issue? Well, the voice of the people is the voice of God. No, the voice of God is the voice of God, not the voice of the people. If you pander to the people, you'll always pander to the people. But if you listen and bring the voice of God, God will redeem the nation. It's time for God to intervene. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Are you redeemed? Say so. Are you redeemed? Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm, so, I'm tired of Christians that act like unbelievers. You go to their business. You can't tell them from the world. They bribe as much, they lie as much, they cheat as much, and they're just as greedy as everybody else. Oh, but Jesus is going to bless me. Ooh, praise the Lord. But they don't say it publicly, it's just in church. I am, I am preaching it. (laughs) Just tap your neighbor and say, he's talking to you today. I know it's you, it's not me, it's not me, eh? We need to learn how to say things like, I apply the blood of Jesus to this situation. I sprinkle the blood of Jesus on my home. I resist the evil one with the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Some of you need to go and you need to draw a bloodline around your property, around your business, around your practice. Some of you need to put a bloodline around your political campaign. Some of you need to say, no, 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 no. I will not violate the blood of Jesus. I'll let the blood of Jesus stand for me. Some of you teachers need to get around your schools and and begin to put a a bloodline around your classrooms and around your school. And we we need to prohibit in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the lamb, some of this filth that's coming into our schools. We need to stop all this talk about legalizing abortion. What on earth? African people don't kill their babies. When, when did you start killing your babies? Come on, I want to know. When did African people start murdering their babies? Oh, I tell you, I, I know what we do. The little girl comes home and we send her to Go-Go. She, but that's what? We take that baby and we raise it like our own. Since when do we start protecting sex workers? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now we're going to make it easy for the sex workers no, I, listen. I, I, I'm sorry. I believe that harlots should stop harlotting. We need to help them. We need to give them a way of escape. But to legalize it to say no, no, no. Just, wait, 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 guys. This is let's let's have the debate. Let's 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 yeah, let's use some common sense here. I am preaching it. First Peter says this Be sober. The world is drunk. Folks, the world is going crazy. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And how do we resist him? (laughs) Hebrews 12, verse 24. and To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. How many of you know that throughout the Bible... There's blood and there's bloodshed. And the blood speaks. Blood speaks. The blood of Abel spoke and demanded a price be paid. And Cain paid the price. Oh, but some of you think God just crushed Cain. No, God is merciful. Go read the Bible. It took seven generations for Cain to finally have the punishment really come upon him. And Lamech, think about Lamech. Lamech was blind. And Tubal-Cain, Tubal-Cain, his grandson, was leading him about. And one day he saw something, he says, oh, it's an animal. So he, I don't know how you take a blind man to shoot an arrow. But he lined up the blind man to shoot an arrow, and he shot Cain killed him. Lamech is so terrified, so broken, that he slaps his hands together and kills his grandson. His wives want to divorce him. This is in the Bible. His wives want to divorce him. And he said, here's what he said. He said if Cain's judgment didn't come for seven generations, and he was guilty. How much longer do I have? Seven times 70 for a righteous man? Oh, folks, let me tell you something. God's long-suffering, but he's still the judge. But God has given us a chance to come under the blood of a mediator of a new covenant. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. God's given you the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the armor of God, the word of God. Let's not abuse these things. With this kind of an arsenal, we can't help but be overcomers. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's total victory in Jesus' name. Stand with me. Oh the blood of Jesus, let's just sing it again, oh the blood of Jesus, oh the blood of parts this time. I'd like the pastors to come, make your way to the altar to prepare to minister. And those of you that are here today, I want you to really consider, have you ever really made a blood covenant with the blood of Jesus? Have you ever said, oh, God, I'm bringing my family, I'm bringing myself, first of all, under the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price on the cross, for being buried, for dying, first of all, then being buried, and three days later, raised from the dead. And that blood is not dead blood. It's living blood. It's a blood that speaks of a better covenant. If you've never made a covenant with Christ, if you've never partaken of the blood of Jesus, Not the blood of bulls and goats and earthly sacrifices, but the blood of the Lamb of God. If you've never done that, I want you to make your way forward to one of our pastors and say, Pastor, today I want to pray and receive Christ, the blood of Christ over my life and in my life and be born again. There's others of you, and and, and to be honest with you, you just need to get serious now and say, for me and my household, I'm bringing us under the covenant of the blood. Come and make that commitment today. Find a place at the altar. Find a place with one of our pastors and say, some of you backslidden, some of you just, church is just something you do and we sing the words and we say the songs and we read our Bible sometimes and we come to church and we're hoping somewhere we'll connect. no, 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 no. They overcame. their testimony. Make your way to the altar today. Make a testimony. Partake of the blood. Say today I'm lining my testimony up with the blood. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.